I wanna say hi to everybody joining us right now online through the website or listening to the podcast. My name is Jason and I'm one of the pastors here at Forest Hill Church. And I especially wanna say a welcome to those of you who are new guests. Maybe this is the first time you've been with us online. We would love to connect with you and to kind of help you take next steps. So a couple ways to do that. Uh, first, if you are watching on YouTube, if you wanna just say hi and, and put your name there in the comment section, we'd love to say something back to you. Also check out the link in our description below that'll let you connect and fill out some information so that we can help you best. If you're watching on our website, foresthill.org, uh, you can click the button to the right. It says connect with us during COVID-19. That'll take you to a page where you can click a connect form and fill out a digital card that would let you ask questions about next steps here, more about who we are, how to be prayed for, um, any other ways that we can help you because we really believe that this is a place for you to find community, to find hope and to find peace in a time that certainly seems like those are in short supply. You know, as we're uh, talking about this now, we're recording this. Um, and so many of you have been experiencing a shelter in place for the last few days. And we're following guidelines just like you are, trying to have the right number of people here and make sure that we stay safe. But, but as we do that, many of us are um, having to, maybe for the first time, deal with some emotions and uh, have some time for reflection and kind of just self-evaluation of our life and of our purpose and meaning. And as we do that, uh, one of the things that we're finding is that all of us want in a time of uncertainty or maybe even fear for you, we wanna know how we should live and, and how we should think about the time that we're living in. And so at Forest Hill, we're continuing a series we started just a couple of weeks ago, looking at a book in the Bible called Mark. Mark is one of the gospels. It's actually an account of Jesus' life, kind of like a biography. It was written by a guy named Mark as he was dictated to by someone who had firsthand experience with Jesus, a guy named Peter. And so Mark has its uniqueness, but it shows a side of Jesus of what he did and who he was that's really helpful and instructive for us in any time, but particularly in moments like we find ourselves in here. See, many of us, I think, unfortunately, have treated the Bible and our faith as like a, a, a manual, a set of rules to be followed and, and a way to sort of find the answers out to life. Now, I wanna let you know that we believe that there are certainly great principles all throughout scripture, that the church has always been a, a place that helps us to learn as humans, how do we live the life that God intended? That, that's exactly what this series is all about. It's called Trade Up, like being able to trade our life up for the one that Jesus offered and that God intended. But as we look at that scripture, sometimes it's easy for us to say, I just need the moment or the piece of information for what I'm feeling now. In fact, I know that some of us, some of you that may be watching, the reason you walked away from faith is because you felt like at a moment when you needed an answer, it, God, the scripture, it didn't provide it. You know, those moments where you lose a job and you go looking to say, uh, what exactly does this mean? How am I supposed to feel or act in this? And the Bible doesn't maybe speak directly to that situation. Or you look for the pandemic section in scripture and you don't understand what am I supposed to do? And, and I think it's real important for us to understand this is way less a rule book or a manual, not like going to your refrigerator owner's manual to find out what happens when something goes wrong but I think there's a better way to consider faith and the Bible in particular. I think the best way is to focus ourselves on the character of God and the person of Jesus 
through his action and behind the scripture. If you seek not to first find a rule to follow, but to get a relationship to invest in, a relationship to cultivate and develop, you'll find that your trust grows in following this person named Jesus. See, and that's really the key because no matter what happens in life, one day COVID-19 will have passed. One day the economic after effects will be over and we'll be back to some sort of life as normal. And in that moment, scripture has just as much to say then as it does now. And the way that it speaks it is by having us focus full on at the face and life of Jesus, because what he offers is for us to follow and find that life with him. So today we're going to continue looking at Mark and the chapter, uh, ver- chapter three, we'll be skipping through several of the verses in there because there are a couple of different stories that I want to point out and show you how uh, this idea of trading up to a dynamic life in Christ, the life that he wants can sometimes be misunderstood. My guess is that for some of you, uh, you're watching now because you're looking for meaning again. For others of us, we're trying to find it and, and the meaning that we want can be found in the life that he offers. And so as we take a look at this today, recognize that on the surface, it may not always fit your and my paradigm. See, sometimes when we get confronted with new information and we don't have a a filter, we don't have a structure or framework to interpret it through, uh, we fall back into an old way of thinking. What's so beautiful about Jesus' life and the scripture in general is that we find our minds and hearts opened up to a brand new way of being human. So as we start, I'd love to begin by reading uh, a passage of scripture for you. It's gonna be found in Mark 3. And at Around Forest Hill, we do this not out of a law, but just because we like to remind ourselves of the, the authority of scripture. And we stand up when we begin reading it often. And so I'd like to ask wherever you are, uh, right there on your couch, maybe you got a kid under one arm and, and somebody beside you, maybe you're alone or you're at the kitchen table. I'd love for you to stand up as we read together now, these words from God. Here's what it says in Mark 3. Verses one through six, Jesus entered the synagogue again and a man was there who had a shriveled hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. He told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us. Then he said to them, and to them are the religious leaders that have been trying to trap Jesus. He said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? but they were silent. After looking around at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Immediately, the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him, how they might kill him. This is God's word. You can be seated. Jesus was often misunderstood. The life that he invites us into can often be misunderstood. And here's a great example of of how we misunderstand one, uh, one premise that's really important to get if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus. It's this, that there are only really two paradigms in the whole world, two ways to relate to God. The first is religion or rules. And the second one is what's called the gospel or grace the good news that Jesus has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. 
In this first passage that we're looking at, uh, Jesus is doing something that absolutely is in the character of God. And I want you to notice a couple of things about it. As we try to find what's his character, what is this Jesus like? Notice that he has compassion on someone that desperately needs it. Notice also that not only does he have compassion on that man with the, the messed up hand, but he has an anger that wells up against those who would try to keep that man in his place. And here's the reason why they did. You know, they get upset with Jesus because he's gonna heal the person on the Sabbath. Well, they were living off of a relationship with God that was based on rules. That's religion. They were experiencing this idea that if you break the rule, that somehow you are now disconnected from God. And what Jesus is trying to show them is that this is all about doing things the way God would do them, that the rules were given for us to try to live and be more like God. So he heals the man on the Sabbath. Now, what's wrong with that? It was the wrong day. It's as if they were saying like, hey, it's fine for you to bring healing and rest, but could you do it on Monday? Because right now you're kind of breaking the rule. Sometimes we misunderstand Jesus in the same way. Have you ever found that you've gotten to a place in your life where all that you could see was, was the regulations? All that you could see was what else do I have to do? All that you felt was burden. If you're experiencing right now, wherever you are and watching this, if you're experiencing a life that seems heavier because you're trying to keep up with all of the, the rules and regulations, you're living under the paradigm of religion. And what Jesus is offering all of us is to come under the paradigm and the worldview of grace and gospel. See, the gospel is either advice or news. How do you think about it? It's either help or it's hope. The gospel is either a burden or it's a gift. If we take it as religion, then the gospel becomes advice. Do this, don't do that. Uh, whenever you run up into a problem, here's what you should go into the temple and do. Here's the way you should uh, order your life. Rather saying the gospel is an announcement that Jesus has done for us everything that we could not do. The announcement is that his kingdom has come and that he has offered us to simply trust him, to let his life speak for ours. And so in a time like we live right now, if you are particularly experiencing a burden, like you're home trying to figure out how to be a homeschool uh, teacher all of a sudden, you're trying to figure out how to work with your spouse, or you're experiencing the loneliness of being a single person that suddenly is disconnected, if you add to that a list of things to live up to, you're struggling right now. And that's not at all what Jesus wants. What he's inviting and offering is a life of freedom and rest because the gospel is actually news. It's hope for those places that we're hurting and broken. Here, here's a verse in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 that explains this. And it explains something else that we sometimes get misunderstood. And that's the idea that not only do we have um, grace to live by, this undeserved, unearned favor of God, just his kindness because he wants to with us. We not only have that, but as a response to that, as an outflow of how good God has been to us, we then perform action. We then do good things, not to earn his favor, but to respond to his favor. Here's what Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says. It says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. 
The first way that Jesus was misunderstood in this passage is by doing the work of God, but violating what appeared to be the rule of man. So I wanna invite you, experience the gospel as hope rather than just help. Here's the second place it happens. Jesus in Mark 3.13 is now gonna choose his team. He's, he's getting the squad together that he's gonna go turn the world upside down. He calls his disciples and it says this, Jesus went up on the mountain and he summoned those that he wanted and they came to him. Now, that's seemingly a real innocuous passage. Why did I pick just that sentence? And here's why. It says that Jesus didn't just go with the followers uh, that wanted him. He chose those that he wanted. And you know who he chose? It goes on to list their names. When you go back and look, these weren't the best and the brightest. And any rabbi who was gonna start a movement, in fact, any rabbi at all, always chose those who had had the highest grades, the best record, the most promise. These folks, they're way more like me and you. They are regular old people, probably the ones who were at the bottom third of their class. Uh, they were the ones who had no future as, as the rest of society would have seen it. These were the everyday people. And Jesus said, I want them. And they came. It's almost as if the people are looking at him saying, you can't even pick the right team. You got the scrubs together. This is how you're gonna go forward to change the world. And Jesus says, exactly, because it's not the way that you think. He got misunderstood by choosing those who were the most unsuspecting. Next, we look at this passage in verse 20. Jesus entered a house and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. Hey, notice something as we go through Mark, the crowd shows up constantly. You'll notice they're almost like another character in the story. Every time Jesus is doing something, there is a crowd that doesn't necessarily want to follow, but is always interested to see. And I just wanna pause and say, many of us at points in our life have, have found ourselves as part of the crowd. We may not be an enemy, but we're actually not either a follower. And so I just wanna ask as you read this, do you see yourself in the crowd or do you see yourself in the action? When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, he's out of his mind. Now get the scene, Jesus has been healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been showing all the authority of God. And he goes to somebody's house, we don't know who, but he's gathered there and, and the people are pressing around wanting more from him, more healing to be done, more people who need to be set free from their addictions and their pain. And they crowd so close to him that he can't even stop to eat. When his family hears this, his mom and brothers and sisters, they come after him. It's almost like they've had enough. They misunderstood Jesus. They misunderstood the life that he's living. Like how, how might they have misunderstood him? A, a couple of things come to mind. One, he's challenging the power. Like he's going against those who had power both to uh, excommunicate or keep them out of the social order. He's going against the ones that had political power. He's choosing to live a life that's upside down, that's inside out and backwards from how most people normally thought they should live. Instead, he's living a dynamic life of freedom, a life of grace, a life of gospel. He's also not only going against them, he's choosing the wrong people. And now they hear like, Jesus, you're so crazy. You're not even stopping to eat. Look, when he stops taking care of himself, we gotta go get that boy and bring him back. I wanna, I wanna have you think about this. Sometimes we get misunderstood. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, 
we get misunderstood for living a life that's very countercultural too, you know? And you know when it shows up are moments just like we're living now. Like, here's what I would say to, to sort of challenge all of us, a gentle challenge, but one nonetheless. If our life doesn't look different in a moment of quarantine and COVID-19, if it doesn't look different from someone who doesn't have hope and faith in Jesus, then we might not actually have traded up for the life that he offers. See, when we show mercy, instead of trying to get revenge, when we sacrifice, this is kind of relevant, when we sacrifice out of our own supply to meet the needs of somebody else. I mean, I'm thinking about paper towels and toilet paper right now, but it could be anything. When we choose to be generous in spite of not being sure what's coming next. And I just want to say, Forest Hill Church, those of you who have continued to be generous and uh, giving to this church and allowing ministry to continue to take place, we are so grateful for you. You're living a part of the dynamic life of Christ because everybody else might say, hold on to your money, that the investment that you might make in the church at this moment, it doesn't produce the kind of return that you should be getting. And I just want to tell you, when we choose to live differently like that, when you invest in this, it's changing lives for eternity. And there will be a return on investment. The interest and the return you can't quantify right now with our human brains. But we get misunderstood. When everybody around us sees the ugly, the evil, the despair, and yet we seem to focus and find beauty and meaning and joy. When people around us begin to shut down and isolate, and we have some kind of hope that springs up from deep within us, we can get misunderstood. But this is the beauty of the dynamic life Jesus offers. This is where the hope is found in living differently than everyone else. And I wanna ask you this, if you're a person who hasn't yet um, chosen, maybe you haven't learned enough about the character of this Jesus, which I'm so glad you're joining us because you're gonna get to see it over the next few weeks. But if you haven't chosen to trade up for this life, to say, I'm willing to through simple trust and faith to take the life Jesus you're offering and to surrender mine, if you haven't done that yet, you need to know this is why we can have joy. This is why we can look different because there's a deeper reservoir that we're tapping into. It's not from us. It's not from our record. It's not because of our perfection or our good works. It's simply because of his. Now that may sound like a really big and out there idea, but, but all it takes is simply choosing to place in his hands your life and say, I will allow you to give me your record and take mine. That, that's what happened at the cross. In just a couple of weeks, we're gonna celebrate Easter. I don't know how just yet. I don't know whether it'll be in person or in cars or it'll be online like this, but all around the world, we will remember the fact that Jesus chose to take upon himself the punishment for every sin, for all of the world, and to choose to allow that to be um, a way to, to placate the wrath of God, to allow himself to become sin itself so that you and I could be claimed and named innocent. And then he was risen from the dead by the Holy Spirit. He was brought back to life and resurrected to prove to us that that is the kind of life we can have when we trade with him. I, I wanna invite you to consider between now and then, are you ready to trade up your life for his? Because here's one of the most important parts of this passage. One of the things that gets misunderstood the most. In Mark 3, 28 through 30, 
the, the people, the scribes who had come down from Jerusalem, the, the religious leaders, they start to say that this Jesus, he's actually uh, the devil. He's actually demonic. He's Satan. And the power, the way he's breaking rules and having this kind of authority can only mean that he's Satan himself. And so they start to accuse him of doing under Satan's power. And he says in verse 28, truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Now, what does that mean? I think it's this. It's the biggest way that Jesus is misunderstood. If you hear him in that moment, as he's talking about blasphemy, and blasphemy is simply uh, choosing to revile or to speak contempt against someone. So in this case, they were looking at work that was clearly done by God and saying, nope, I don't believe that. That's got to be the enemy. That's got to be Satan. Whenever we do that, when we reject God's work, when we reject God's grace, we are suddenly experiencing uh, the result of unforgiveness that Jesus talks about. This verse has been misunderstood, misinterpreted a lot. Simply, it means this today for you and me. It's if we continually allow a hard heart to reject God's work, then we're not forgiven. And you can hear that as almost a, a really dark and, and judgmental moment. But what I want you to hear instead is the voice of Jesus. Listen to the words. He said, people will be forgiven for all sins. What if we heard that first? The compassion, the desire for Jesus to give all of us life, his desire to extend mercy and grace in ways that we couldn't expect and never could have earned. That's the kind of God that we are following. That's the kind of rabbi from the ancient Israel time period, from, from uh, this time 2000 years ago that still has meaning today. The kind that would say, I will allow you to let my life be traded for yours so that you can find eternal life. That's the invitation that we have. And when you and I experience in this moment places of doubt and fear, of question, of wondering how we should live as we continue to look at him and how he lived, we find not just a model, not just a template, but we find the power and the strength to do so. It's all in trading up our life for his. And so I'm gonna pray right now. And I wanna pray in a couple of different ways. One is to pray that you and I would be able to understand this more and that we would even have courage to live a life that could be misunderstood by others. That seems uh, countercultural because it is. But also I wanna pray that for those of you that may be listening to this and, and you right now are going, man, I want that. I'm gonna pray that you have the ability to accept it and to trust it and in faith to receive that life. And then I'm gonna pray for all of us for mercy and protection during these next few days. So would you join me? Heavenly Father, this truth that you have kept for us in scripture, this picture of Jesus that allows us to see exactly who you are and how you are with us and with a world, no matter what shape it's in, in the moments of, of high and flourishing and in the moments where things seem absolutely dark and fearful and anxiety producing, God, you're still in control. Jesus, you are one who can look at hearts that are hard and still be grieved as we just read and still invite to find forgiveness through your life, death and resurrection. I pray that you would allow us, all of us to experience and see that again, maybe with more clear eyes right now as we have extra time for reflection. 
God, I pray for those who are attempting to live a life that's different and it seems as if uh, they just don't have enough energy or it seems like maybe it's pointless. God, for those who are doing their very best to follow you, would you give strength and hope and courage right now? Father, I pray for all that those who are listening right now, you would protect, that you would extend mercy. God, I pray for those that are feeling sick, that you would heal. I pray for those that are feeling lonely, that you would be present. Lord, I pray for those that are right now feeling um, confusion, that you through your spirit would speak order and you would speak peace. I pray for all of us that we would be looking for ways to be your followers, be your church to a world that desperately needs it, that we would find ways, as your scripture says, uh, to let our light shine in these dark times. And that when we do, people would see that, those good works, and they would glory God, bring glory to God who is in heaven. Father, would you do all this now in us? And we trust that as we move forward from today, you'll apply this to our hearts and in our lives in just the way that we need to. We love you and it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.